Welcome to 270 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the location of the King's mission. Let's dive in. If you've been listening to the last several episodes, we've been tying in this podcast with my Daily Thunder series that I've been doing at Ellerslie. Now, at Ellerslie, I've been walking through a series called The Storyline of Scripture. And every single week, we've been talking about a section of Scripture and just how all of Scripture demonstrates and displays the grandeur of Jesus Christ. And then in this podcast, we kind of look deeper in one of those sections and just see these beautiful glimpses of Jesus. Well, this week's study was on this idea of the king's mission. The fact that when Jesus ascended, he gave us a mission. And what I love about this section of scripture is the fact that we are still in the middle of it. In other words, we have not come to the end of the king's mission. And I thought it would just kind of be fun to walk through this idea of the location of the mission. In other words, God has given each of us a mission, but where is that mission to be located? Well, I want to start back at Genesis chapter 12. It has been said that Genesis 12 really is the start of the story of God. In other words, what you have in the first 11 chapters is more of the introduction and background of how God created the world and how sin came in. But chapter 12 really begins the story of scripture because that is where God chooses Abraham. And it really just begins the fulfillment of, all right, I'm choosing a people so they can be the witness so that I can bring myself, right, Jesus Christ, into this world and save people from their sins. Regardless, I I love how Genesis chapter 12 begins because God is calling Abraham and listen to what God says to him. He says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your family's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that concept flows through the entirety of scripture. And that's not what we're going to focus on in this particular episode. But I just want to point out the fact that here is God calling Abraham to leave everything and go to a location called the promised land. And there is a promise contained in this. God says, I'm going to bless you, O Abram, and in you, there's going to be this blessing for all the world. Now, we know that that ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who came obviously from the loins of Abraham. Isn't that a great word, loins? (laughs) But Abraham chooses, or uh, sorry, God chooses Abraham and says, all right, I'm going to bless you. And when all the world looks at what I'm doing in your life, that everyone around you is going to say, I... I need your God. What what is going on? Why are you so different? And all the world is going to receive the blessing because when they see what God is doing through the life of Abraham, then they're going to want in on that. And and you see hints of that. You see that with Rahab, right? This, This Gentile prostitute from Jericho that she sees what God is doing in the life of the Israelites. And she says, I, I need your God. I want to be a part of what God is doing with you guys. Uh, You see that with Ruth, 
this Moabitess who, as she comes into Bethlehem with Naomi, that she's like, I'm going to cling to you. I am not letting you go. Your God is going to be my God. And you begin to see these hints throughout the Old Testament that God was doing something in the life of the Israelites. And as such, the people around them were being stirred to seek after the true God of Israel. But I want to focus our direction at a, at a specific location. I find it really intriguing to me that, that God calls Abraham to this place that he knows not of and plants him smack dab in the middle of this promised land that we know as Israel. It's this little tiny strip of land. And I don't know about you, but if, you, if you've ever looked at pictures of Israel or if you've ever gone, it, it, is, it is not what I would consider a promised land. I, w- I would think of a promised land like Hawaii, you know, where it's like all abundance and beautiful. And there is a beauty to Israel, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a desert. It's the Middle East. Why, why is God strategically bringing his people to this little strip of land right there on the Mediterranean coast? Well, I think it's very strategic. I think it's brilliant of God. In fact, when you look at just kind of the ancient way of travel, everything was passing through Israel. It was, you could consider the, probably the most strategic location in the ancient world. If you were down in Africa, right, like with Egypt, just down in that major part of the, of the ancient world, and you were going to travel, say, to Asia or to Europe, you had to go through Israel, It was through Israel that all the major trade routes went through. This was the strategic location in terms of travel, in terms of battle. Everything was centered on this little tiny place, which is why if you read through the Old Testament, you start to notice that why is there so many battles raging in Israel? Why, Why is there so much, you know, difficulty and struggle over some of these certain key cities? Well, it's because if you look that up on an atlas, you find that a lot of those key cities were on the major trade routes. And the principle was in the old old ancient days that whoever controlled the trade routes controlled all the wealth. In other words, you would start taxing and you you, you could uh, start growing your money for your nation if you owned the major trade routes. So everyone wanted to control and own Israel. In fact, you start to see this later on in the Kings. You have these big battles between, say, Egypt and Assyria or, or you, you know, those, those struggles that you start to see through the Old Testament. Uh, why was Solomon so stinking wealthy? Well, it's because as he was marrying all these different wives through these different nations to make peace treaties, they were giving him as, as a part of this, like Egypt gave him several key cities in Israel, all of which were on the trade routes. Therefore, he could start charging taxes for every time someone passed, and he started getting really, really wealthy. So Israel, all that to say this, Israel is a strategic location in terms of travel, in terms of wealth, in terms of battle. So I don't think it's by accident then that God chooses Abraham and plants him smack dab in the middle of the ancient world. In other words, he's putting him in the place, not where he can be hidden and preserved, in other words, he, he didn't send Abraham off to like a monastery and said, all right, I want you to go in the, on the backside of the desert. No one will ever see you. And I, I want you just to live holy and righteous before me. No, rather God actually plants him right in the middle of the ancient world, right in the middle of where all the trade's going to be taking place and all the battle and all the, all the, all the conflict, all the world is going to be passing through your little encampment 
O Abraham. And as Israel began to grow, you find that's actually what took place. That in the glory days of David and Solomon, the whole world was passing through this land, this strategic location. And as such, the whole world was being introduced to the God of Israel. I think that is so brilliant. That is so strategic. Now, fast forward a whole bunch of years and you come to the time of Jesus. Jesus grew up in this small little village of a couple hundred people called Nazareth. Well, why did Jesus make his headquarters on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee in a town called Capernaum or Capernaum? Why why did he choose that as his location for ministry where he did most of the miracles, where he spent most of the three years of his ministry? Well, it goes back again to being in the very center of things. I love the fact that Jesus didn't just hide away in some back corner and said, oh, verily, if you want truth, come to me. No, rather, he strategically put himself right in the middle of things. And in Capernaum, it was the crossroads of two major intersections of trade, north and south, east and west. And so again, there seems to be this brilliant strategy of God that when he has truth to deliver, he's going to choose a strategic location and plant someone right there. In this case, himself, right in the middle of Capernaum so that all the world might hear and actually have that blessing that was promised back in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham. Let me give you one other quick illustration, and it's Paul. When Paul was off on his missionary travels, the location that he spent the most time at was this place called Ephesus. It was a strategic, again, location when it comes to trade and travel. Uh, Ephesus was outside of Rome, one of the biggest cities of the ancient world of of the Roman day, and it had one of the deep seawater ports. And as such, it was a major intersection for travel and trade, especially across the Mediterranean. Everyone was stopping by and spending some time in Ephesus. Now think about this. As Paul is traveling around and he's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as he's witnessing and just testifying of the glory and the grandeur of this God of Israel, he ends up in this place called Ephesus and stays there for over three years. And what you begin to find out as you read some of his epistles is that the news for what was happening in Ephesus started to spread so much that it started taking over the ancient world. So much so that it says in Acts that in the, this is Acts 17 verse six, that they grabbed this guy by the name of Jason and brings him before the city. And the accusation against him is that he was one of those who turned the world upside down and they've come here too. And you start to realize that, that because Ephesus was in this location in Asia Minor, right? In Southern Turkey, that the message was going out from that. And it was just taking over all of Asia and, and all of Asia was being turned upside down with the gospel. Why? Because Paul was in a strategic location with the message. So take all of that then and come into Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus is about to ascend. He's, he's given the commission. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to make disciples. In other words, I, I, I don't want you just to preach a message. I want you to make disciples. And he says right before he ascended into heaven, he, he looked at his disciples in Acts 1.8, and, and you know this passage really well, but he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I would like to propose to you that Jesus is being incredibly strategic with the commission that he gives to the disciples. 
they're in Jerusalem right now. And he says, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem. And I, I want you to proclaim this message. I want you through the power of the Holy Spirit, be a witness unto me. I want you to testify and declare of the truth of the gospel. And as you do this in Jerusalem, begin to expand out into Judea and then Samaria, the enemy, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And you actually see that's the whole format of the book of Acts. It begins in Jerusalem. Then you see Acts spreading to Judea, Samaria, and the, and the ends of the earth. Let me bring all of this and tie it into our lives. God has given us a mission and that mission has not changed for the last 2000 years. We are still called to go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing and teaching them. Well, where are you and I supposed to start? Think about this. God has strategically placed you somewhere on this planet. And that is the perfect location for you to share the gospel. Now, I'm all for missions. I love the heart of missions. I love the, the concept of missions. I love this idea that we need to go and share the gospel with all the world. Now, sadly, America is becoming a post-Christian world. And as such, some of these nations that we used to send missionaries to, like Africa and Asia, are now sending missionaries to us here in the Western world of, of Europe and America. And a lot of times I think we have this weird notion that, well, and unless God calls me to the mission field, unless I go to a place like Africa, well, you know, that that's where the missions actually take place. And we forget that when Jesus looked at his disciples, he didn't start with, hey, go into all the world and then come back to Jerusalem. He says, I want you to start right where you're at, that, that I have you in a strategic location to share this mission, this commission, this gospel with the world. And that still hasn't changed. J just as God was strategic about placing Abraham right in the middle of the ancient world, just as he chose Capernaum as his headquarters for ministry, just as Paul stayed longer in Ephesus than anywhere else because of its strategic advantage for the gospel, so too God has you somewhere at this moment strategically for the sake of the kingdom. And you might only be there for another week or two, but do you realize that he strategically has placed you there for such a time as this? That what would it look like if you were willing to share in this mission of the king? That you are willing with your life and with your lips to declare the message of the king, the heart of the gospel, which is Jesus and him crucified. And again, don't be limited to that location, that you are strategically there. But just like the disciples in Acts 1.8 we should be willing to go from where we're located right this moment and expand out to bigger territory, go to those whom we even dislike, and even go to the uttermost parts of the world. All that to say, all of us have a mission from the king, and it is to share the wonder and the reality of the gospel. And let's not just have this glamorous sense of missions where, oh, I can't do that unless I'm you know, on a mission trip or on a, you know, short-term thing or a, or somewhere else in another location. No, the mission is true for wherever I'm at at this moment. So let us take advantage of this commission of our King and let us share the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ right where we're at. And then let God begin to expand that so that we might go to the uttermost parts of the world and share Jesus Christ with the world. Well, it's just an incredible thought. I love just that idea of the strategic location of the mission of God in our lives. 
Well, thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. If you'd like to listen to that other podcast I mentioned, that storyline of scripture, next week is the very last episode. So I'd love for you to just get caught up and listen to all seven episodes. You can do all of that and find the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 270 for episode 270. And until next time, where we wrap up this mini series, talking about these Christophanies and glimpses of Jesus throughout the word, know that I'm cheering you on and praying for you as you build your life around Jesus Christ.